In 2010, I co-founded a company called Startup Grind with one goal, inspiring, educating, and connecting every entrepreneur on the planet. Today, Startup Grind is now in 125 countries and has millions of members. Along the way, I found the most powerful marketing tool of all time, customer-to-customer marketing. C2C marketing empowers your greatest ambassadors, your customers, to evangelize your brand and grow your community. This is a podcast we wish we'd had when we started building our community a decade ago. Each episode, we talk to the brightest minds and companies on the planet to learn how they build their community and empower their customers. I'm your host, Derek Anderson, and this is the C2C Podcast. I'm excited to have our next guest, Todd Connor, who is the founder and CEO at Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs is a chapter-based organization that helps military veterans start and grow their businesses. Today, we talk about strategies behind different kinds of events, metrics for community growth, adapting your in-person events during COVID-19, and just generally how to be a leader in the midst of a crisis. Take a listen. Todd, tell us what Bunker Labs is and what your role is there. Bunker Labs is an organization, nonprofit, that helps military veterans and military spouses start and uh, grow businesses. And we are a chapter-based organization in uh, about uh, 30 cities across the country that uh, we started about six years ago. So I, I have never served in the military. And so I'm curious to know, how did your military experience contribute to your community leadership style? So I was in the Navy. I did it after college. It was brief. It was four years, but I think had a profound impact on everything I believe about leadership, people, community. Fundamentally, at its root, what I know to be true from having served with people in the military from very different environments for me, which is you cannot assess talent on a resume or based on a zip code or how somebody dresses. Talent is something that is innate to, I think, just about all people. Um, And if given the right environment, um, people can step up and perform. And I saw people perform in the military every single day. So when you've seen that evidenced, you have a real humility about your own accomplishments and an appreciation and understanding that under-recognized, under-opportunitied communities deserve the same thing. And I think militaries, as well as other communities, are, are a manifestation of that. You have a number of different types of events, Bunker Connect, Bunker Brews, CEO Circle. Can you share what those are and how they all sort of tie in to your overall strategy? You know, we're trying to help people start businesses and unraveling how you do that, if you want to be thoughtful about it, is actually really hard. It's simple uh, if you just want to say, well, it's like they all need a 12-week class on how to start a business. That's a clean mental model for all of us. And I think that actually is probably where, as an industry of entrepreneurship support organizations where we all started at some point. And then you quickly realize like, it's actually just not, that doesn't move the needle for what people need. That assumes that there's like an education gap or a content or a knowledge gap. And what you realize is the real barriers when you take it down to like the human level, like if I'm a guy trying to open up an auto body shop in Michigan City, Indiana, like a class can only, knowledge can only take me so far. At some point, I've got to know like a local lender who can help me understand whether or not I need to get a loan and how to do that and what good terms are. I need to know a local real estate broker who can help me find like a good auto body shop, you know, at a good rate. I need to know like people that can work for me or help me find people to work for me. I need to know someone to help me, you know, open up the shop and market and how to market. So we really anchored on this thesis of, we knew that we wanted to help people start businesses. 
but we weren't prescriptive about how to do that. We tried a bunch of different things, including the 12-week class, and really came back to this idea that it's about network access, that people that start businesses, part of why Silicon Valley is so effective is because of the network density that exists there. And so the, the challenge, the structural challenge for the military community is that they don't have the same network access as uh, their civilian counterparts. And so if we want to solve that, then you've got to do it through building relationships, especially with the civilian sector. So our programming model is like tons of events. You know, we have the workspace at WeWork. We have partnerships with Google. We have happy hours once a month in all of these cities. We hosted 14,000 people in person last year at events. So it's a huge cornerstone of what we believe to be true, which is that people need to meet each other and then be in relationship. And that you actually need those relationships to be local. They need to be diverse. That if you have a local diverse network, that is a huge accelerant of the, of the business that you want to start. Okay, we're both in-person C2C people. So yeah, it's April 15th. And, you know, with the current crisis, I mean, the whole thing changes every, every 24 hours. With where we're at as of right now, would love to hear how you all are reacting and adjusting uh, the good and the bad of things you're figuring out or testing. Um, I guess my first real question is, you know, we still need to meet people. So can that be done? Can community be built at 70%, 80% as you can in person virtually or 50% or I mean, like, how much of what you've been doing in person can still be solved in the current climate? Yeah, COVID, you know, knocked all of us off of our game, especially for those of us that are in the business of large events, which we are. I mean, we have a national summit that we canceled. We have canceled 40 events, you know, over the course of two and a half months. So so I just want to acknowledge it and say it was a giant change in plan. But here's my philosophy on sort of leadership, but also strategy in a moment like this, which is number one, like you got to be an optimist. So you look at the situation and you say, how do you take advantage of it for what it is. And maybe you can't, but I think that has to be a question that you you look at and assess. I believe, secondly, that that the world's, you know, organizations sort of fall into three camps. I think the first camp is people that are like treating this as a pause and we just got to hunker down and survive. And then like, we'll get past the pause and then we'll just resume business as usual. I think that's flawed thinking. I don't know that you're going to, be on the other side of this when this lands, if that's your philosophy. Although I understand it, frankly. And I think when when this all first started happening, we were probably in the first camp, like, well, is this just like a week? Or what are we talking about here? Like, what is, you know, I mean, all of us were sort of in a place of trying to understand. Yeah, you don't want to overreact too quickly. Yeah, you don't want to overreact too quickly. So I think to be in a pause posture is appropriate for a moment so you understand what the environment is. The second camp is, let's continue the way that we were doing things, but sort of flip it to a virtual model, right? So like the question that you asked, Derek, is how much of can you take what you're doing in person and just sort of translate that into like a virtual model? And I think those are good questions to ask. And we've done a lot of that. But I think the more productive place is the third bucket, which is kind of strip away the programmatic model according to the new environment and reassess the impact that you're trying to have and come up with new strategies accordingly. So I think that's where we're at today. And, I, and, and I, we have some answers as to how to do that, but it's not, it's not fully baked. But I, but I will tell you, our philosophy is not just, hey, we plan to do a networking event with 120 people on April 20th. How do we do a virtual networking event for 120 people on April 20th? We're thinking of it very differently. And I think 
that you can uniquely do things through Zoom, leveraging technology in the virtual environment that you actually couldn't do in person. I think that if we're strategic about this, we can do more skills-based like network assignments in ways that if I'm just at a networking event with 120 people, I can't be that precision-driven. But if I'm doing a networking event in a virtual environment with 2,000 people, I might be able to find like the one other person that owns a bed and breakfast that serves a, like a wedding venue, just like the one that I own. So I think if you have that philosophy, then you can sort of begin to see how technology might be an asset, how engaging virtually can be an asset. I think having relationships is still going to matter. So that has not gone away. But how you do that, I think, has obviously changed for now. I think it's a really great way to think about it and of this sort of, you know, are you pause? Are you flipping, just doing everything virtual? Or are you rethinking the strategy? And we sort of go through different phases of being in different buckets. And sometimes, you know, you might jump back to a pause or you might jump to, you know, to different places. And, you know, I certainly have the problem personally, sometimes I'm, I'm pretty consistent and I'm, I'm sort of even keel most of the time. And so, except when I'm like coaching little league baseball, but that gets it. So actually like I'm, and I'm very stable, like I'm not a reactionary person. So it's not that I don't move quickly or like, you know, try to get to the front of the line, but I'm just not, uh, you know, I'm just not somebody that like overreacts a lot. And so I think this has been an adjustment, at least for me, is the first sort of month is sort of like, I'm just going to wait and I'm not going to overreact. But now I was that person. And now I think I've sort of moved through these different phases of business creation or strategy or whatever it is, I think, to point of like, I think I'm where you're saying you are, which is you got to rethink everything. Everything's on the table. No idea is bad. Like, and it may change next week. So be prepared for that. I guess as, as somebody that's leading this organization for yourself, like, how do you come to terms with being able to mentally make those shifts and then get your team or maybe, you know, if I'm in a bigger company, like get the other stakeholders to engage and to continue to work with me to shift this strategy as more data becomes available? Like, how do, how do you handle that? It's a great question. And we've addressed it, thought about it a lot and have addressed it specifically. I think, number one, I believe that, and this is probably true of most startups, but I think it's certainly true in this environment. I'd rather violent execution towards a 80% solution is better than waiting for a 100% solution. So I, I believe that aggressive action that is acknowledging the environment is going to be net-net just a better posture than pausing or waiting for perfect information to make better decisions. So I think the speed of decision-making has to be, you know, I'm going to, we're going to engineer around speed, I think is, is one is one philosophy. Um, and not every organization is going to choose that. And I don't know if that's right for every organization, but I think, it, I, I believe it's right for us is to engineer around speed. So we're acting quickly. And an example of this is just, we really recognize, we have a tagline at Bunker Labs, which is inspire, equip, and connect. So we started to see things as a leadership team, I think, uh, you talk about moving through the, the three phases. I think actually going from pause, like you could skip the second step, which is sort of like turn to virtual and just go from pause right. and then go straight to the third, which is like violent execution towards a new strategy that you think is more responsive to the moment. And that's probably where we were. Like we sat for like a few weeks just observing like what's going on. And then 
kind of quickly realized that where you see business as usual taking place, it's sort of, it's tone deaf to what's going on. So we, we actually, over-communicating is, I think, critical in a, in a crisis like this, put all of our staff, we were doing all staff calls like every, every couple of days to really talk through and help them mentally process where we were getting ourselves, which is, and where we landed simply was, hey, we've always been an organization that believes in inspiring, equipping, and connecting inspiring right now is like telling inspiring stories of like, look at a military veteran who, who came back after deployment and started a business is tone deaf to the economic devastation that's being felt. Connecting, which is the third pillar of our strategy is really driven through in-person events. And that's really not really happening in the same way, but equipping is so key right now. So we really had this, like we had to have a mental shift to say everything we do right now has to be about equip. It's not really about inspire. It's not really about connect. Those are pillars that we've always had, but we're turning the volume on those down. We're turning the volume on equip up. What does that look like? We're like, everyone needs to understand how to apply for the stimulus package that we serve small business owners. Like if we don't understand that, then we're not relevant to them in this crisis. And so, yeah, so we had to sort of mentally think about it, talk about it, verbalize it. And then, you know, at one point, like our marketing team came up with like a new kind of internal communication strategy. I was like, no, no, it's not about a new strategy. It's about we have, we have the existing language, inspire, equip, connect. We're focusing on equip. And now everyone, I think, in the organization sort of has that, you know, mental model. Uh, but you have to be really intentional about helping people get there because they don't understand that, like, we had to literally say, like, the world is a totally different place. We know that two months ago, this is what mattered. This is what was on the scorecard. But today, it's just different. And that's okay but let's get, let's get there together, you know? And we had to kind of mentally take time to do that as an organization. Yeah, I think, and your ultimately your goal is to serve your community members. And so if your community members really need something else than a bunch of in-person events right now, which we they clearly do, then serve those needs right at this moment and be smart and adjust and, you know, do it in the best way you can. And, you know, I mean, I think that's, that can be hard. It's it can be, it's it's scary, right? Like you're used to this other way of thinking, and now you have to walk through doors that you've never walked through before, and you don't understand what's on the other side. And but if you're close to your community, you should be able to see and find out or ask them what they need, and and hopefully, like your community program is designed to serve your community, adjust accordingly. I think it's, it's such an important point, though, Derek, because it's. Um... It's easy to, um, because you're nervous uh, about the, the health of your own organization, it's easy to turn inward in these moments. But if you're a mission-driven organization, if you're a nonprofit organization, I think if you're a for-profit organization, if you have a customer set, the right posture is to sort of, I think, turn towards your customers. But that's hard to do when people are worried about, like, are we okay? Is How's our financial runway? How's our health? How are we going to work as a virtual organization? So you need to allow some time for that, but you also got to quickly move the conversation back to the customers. And I think, you know, when this all hit, you saw a lot of email campaigns that were like, you know, here's what our organization is doing in response to COVID. And we, I was very clear. I was like, we, I don't want to send a newsletter like that, you know, that's because that's about us. That's mm -hmm. actually not people. Our customers aren't wondering, like, what are you doing? Our customers are worried about their own, you know, health and safety, um, financial and otherwise. So what we needed to do is just turn the newsletters on for them to say, look at what the community is doing and, and, and look at what the community is struggling with. And, but if we can be, whoever's going to be closest to the customers in this moment is going to, again, I think like 
be on the other side of the curve. But the temptation is to sort of be inward focused and try to just tell stories about here's what we're doing. But customers aren't not concerned about what you're doing. They want to know how you can sort of help them in this moment meet their needs. And so I think, again, it's it's a we're trying to be on the right side of that, but it's hard to get right. It's so hard. And it's so hard not how can you not worry about yourself or your aunt or your this person or your family member or your grandmother or whoever. I mean, we're and everybody as has been stated many, many times ever uniquely with this. It's not a tsunami in Japan, right? It is a tsunami in every city, in every country of the world at one time. And so um, you have to almost I, I found myself with the last few weeks, like forcing myself, like writing it down, putting it on a to do list, like go help someone else, you know, like go do something for someone, because if not, I just get sucked into my own issues and my own problems, which are vast and not anywhere near as vast as many other people. And as we kind of wrap up here, if you have any tips for, for you know, for people to to just get motivated and to get out and do this, it's daunting. Like, how do you get the motivation and the inspiration to get up and attack these things every single day and try to make change, you know, day in and day out and in, in the midst of all these other issues that are going around? What do, what do you do personally? Well, it's not, I mean, it's a struggle. We also have a newborn baby um, that we adopted in February. So, you know, like this was actually supposed to be a season where I was like on paternity leave until early May. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, and so we're home, you know, like everybody, we've got, you know, an aging parent, you know, so there's a lot that is living in the background for me and, and I think for everyone. So I think the opportunity in this moment is that we can operate with grace for humanity and for each other, like a little bit of more compassion. Like we've seen everybody's living rooms now, like that's a gift. So I think it is, it is hard to show up. And I think it's okay when you can't, like, I think there's just gotta be grace and forgiveness for each other. And then I think beyond that, I'd say there's two things that are motivating for me. Three things. One is just being in a daily routine, I think is important. Like, you know, get up, shower. I haven't always done that. But I think the longer this goes on, that's important. Like creating strong daily rituals is for me part of the formula. I think the second is, is trying to be of service. So the less I can, you know, service to others is sort of the antidote for our own kind of insular pain and suffering. And so to the extent that we can turn outward, I think that's a good thing to do. And unfortunately, I feel like at Bunker Labs, I'm like, what a great place to do that. You know, we, we serve small business owners. So my gosh, like this is like our, this is like the moment we've been training for in theory, you know, it's so like, let's show up for the moment. And then I think the third thing is, and I'd be lying if I didn't admit this is, and I think this is true, especially for the military community. There's a sense of excitement, not universally, not ignoring what is hard about this, not ignoring the health toll of a real virus that is, that is taking lives, not ignoring the devastation economically. So honoring and acknowledging all that, but also the military community is a, is a community that has been through war, like literally. And so there's an understanding of hardship, of the community that is forged in hardship, and that you get to the other side of it and that there's opportunity on the other side of it. And so I'm seeing tons of chatter across our network about, hey, if work from home is the new normal, like what does that mean for local economies? And like, I'm thinking about getting into franchising and what about this and collaborate on this? And, you know, there's a ton of creativity that's, that's afoot. 
and people that are excited and thinking about what's on the other side of this curve because they recognize that whoever moves fast is going to, um, that there will be something. And so I, I have I have optimism about the future as well. As hard as this is, we will also look back and say, like they did through the Great Depression, like we lived through this. And we know that we don't know whether it's six months from now, 12 months, three years, 10 years, but that opportunities will emerge because we're redefining how we work and interact with each other. And so I think uh, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, which you are, Derek, and I am, um, that you can't help but begin to think about what possibilities could be. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. That's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.